I love the sound of the two smoking guns in the morning. <laughs> I don't think I've ever used that one before. Anyway, I'm going to jump straight into it. You are listening to the two smoking guns. We're back again. Um, you might have missed us for a little bit. Um, when things just bob up that sort of get in the way. But rest assured, uh, we're back. Bigger than ever. Larger than life. And as always, with my great mate, Russie. Hello, mate. Scotty, how are you? Yeah, good, buddy. You? It's gone very well, mate. I've had a great week. Good. Um, concluded by yesterday, um, we held our inaugural spag boloff. Oh, did you? We did. The boloff? The boloff. Oh. And uh, it was reminded of, of, of a, a guy that was there. He called it the Hotham Handicap. It was a triple dead heat. Oh, was it? Yes. Oh. So... Who are the combatants? You, oh, well, we, two good friends of ours, so uh, we went toe-to-toe in the kitchen. Did you? Everyone had to prepare their own version of a spag bowl. Did they? And as you would know, everybody's is different. Yes. And there could not have been three different sources. Really? Um, prepared. They what, were markedly different. What was the most unusual ingredient that somebody used? Um, well, I don't know. We didn't. We, we, was there Vegemite? No, there was none of that in there. So one of them was quite traditional, made the Italian way by uh, someone who did it quite traditionally. Right. With It was more a ragu, if you like, very oh, smoky. Was it? Very rich and unctuous. Mm. One was made with a different sort of um, uh, mince, um, more the veal pork style. So that was uh-huh. different. And then, of course... Our household one is well known to us. We go, we lots of herbs and lots of tomato through ours. Yes. Um, but it was um, a feast. A feast. And um, we ate well. Right. And we drank well. Okay. And it was uh, declared a, a very good day. Well, if you're never smoking for next year. Yes. Well, um, <laughs> I'm always available I for a bowl. I think that um, we might expand yes. because it was that successful. Was it? It's actually not a difficult day to pull off really no. because you cook your pasta yeah, 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 exactly. and you've got three sauces and you have a bit of a sample and then go in, in with the one you want was there just one type of pasta or several no, choices we just did the spag just spag yes right yes so we just wanted to you know test proof of concept and it was a was a good hit actually as i can tell you uh, and we've got that much bloody spag bowl left have over you? Here you go. yeah that's all right the, 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 kid, the, the kids will descend right in the freezer it'll it goes forever so i guess what we're having for dinner and, and breakfast and lunch it, well uh, I, and my theory is the best spag bowl is about day 2 yeah well we did when ours it has on saturday time to infuse so we did it on Saturday and let, let it do that, just yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, quite delicious. So that was a whole lot of my week, really. Yeah, um, very good. Outside of that, um, not a great deal. No. I had a round of golf. You had a round. Good. I had a right. How did we go? Oh, you know. Up and down. Army it's golf. like a roller coaster, uh, my um, game. Army golf. Yep. Left, right, left, pretty right. Pretty much, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. But uh, no, that's been my week and uh, yours. Oh, very good. Uh, mate, sort of much the same, you know. Pottering round, I you know I've been on the tools. I found a rickety old gate that we had, and I've you know now managed to re- reverse where the the handle went and put a padlock on it. Handyman and, Scotty. Well, I just I, I I'm quite a tactile creature, mm. though, so um, I I love getting hold like of the tools. I projects, do like my DIYs. Yeah. Yes, I've given myself a, a couple of little projects. There's a few around at our joint if you want to venture further yeah, afield. Yeah, it's um, I, I don't mind doing it. I went around to my mum's place and she had a couple of little odd jobs done, so I did those. Oh. And, 
tighten this up and move that and look at you. You know, pull that apart and put that back together. And so anyway, you know, they're all uh, they're all things we need to do from time to time. And I bought myself a glider recently, and I'm a glider. Yeah, well, I mean, she was almost sort of three hundred odd dollars. A glider. I picked it up for forty bucks. A glider. Yeah. Like a remote control. Yeah, a remote control glider with a two meter wingspan. And wow. So I've got the. Well, you got that round the local park taking out young toddlers. Yeah, well, I've got a drone attached to the bottom of it. Yeah, really? no. Well, <laughs> there's no reason why you couldn't take the camera part out of a drone and attach it to the bottom of a glider. You'd get some fantastic photos of it. Well, that's before. a terrific segue to the first thing that caught my eye this week. What have you got? Um, well, I don't know if you've caught this, but um, we're making uh, cardboard drones in Australia. Cardboard drones. Right. And it's a, they come in a flat pack and you put them together and made out of cardboard and they're going over to the Ukraine right. to help in the fight against the Russians. Right. So um, the, they're made of uh, heavy-duty cardboard and rubber bands. They've got, <laughs> some, bands. They've got some avionics in there, obviously a, a motor. They weigh between 3 and 5 k kg. And they can go to one to three hours, depending on their payload. That can go up to 120k. What about if it's and you just launch them with your hand, and then they're off. What about if it's a bit windy? Wow, they're three to five kg. They're not packing a lot. They're packing a lot, but they're being used to deliver ammunition and medical supplies, and even to drop bombs. Even a bomb dropper. Yeah. So the thing is, these um, this is fantastic story because it's an Australian company making them. Yes. And sending them over to uh, to the Ukraine, yeah. but um, they're um, they're not being used in Australia, which is quite dumb. Why wouldn't so you? Why use wouldn't it you? Why ag- wouldn't you? Agriculture and you yeah. know, so where, where you've got sort of mass tracts of land that you Agreed. need to cover. Totally. I mean, what about even security? I mean, there was a bit of a push on a while ago, and uh, as you know, I played in that little field for a while. Yeah. Um, there was certainly a view uh, held that a man, um, you know, with a with a drone looking after a track of land. Let's say he might be looking after a, a series of compounds along the the rail line extension, for example, and yeah. it might go for two kilometres by yeah. the time that the, where the works might start and where the you know come into a station and the works might end. So instead of him walking up and down, or yeah, he could actually just sit there with his drone and you know, have his laptop, and then be, um, "Oi, get out!" <laughs> <laughs> because you can chuck a voice in these things. Too, yeah, well, right? that's so, right. That's right. Um, I could see lots of applications for that. But oh, I just um, thought that's a really nice story of Australian ingenuity. And, and why wouldn't they use them potentially? Well, cardboard <laughs> potentially might be an issue with around bushfires, but uh, <laughs> there might be a touch flammable. I don't know. But maybe there's a flammable skin they uh, an inflammable to, skin they can put on them. Just but, have to whip the cardboard. Well, I do. <laughs> Hey, Bill, it won't take off. <laughs> I think it's a bit heavier than what we built it. Um, but I could see that, you know, being used in bushfires to sort of go ahead to see where things yeah. might be happening. Or probably, whether... They probably do now with drones and that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I assume imagine. so. But, but... but that's so simple, right? So obviously yeah. what's happening here is they're cheap to make. Cost about five grand because most of the cost is inside the Yeah, it's all in the, the motor. Hard, all the hardware. And, um, of course, if they're flying and they're, um, you know, involved in um, defence or attack of, of troops, they have to um, take them out with something more expensive. 
Yes, they unless do. unless you have a lot of cardboard drones going at it, um, like the early uh, the early movies of the what do they call those dog fights? Oh yeah, the dog fight. Yes, yeah. yes. So maybe yeah. maybe I'm, that's the future. I'm not, I'm not sure I can see the Red Baron <laughs> in a cardboard <laughs> operating a cardboard drone. Yeah. There you go. Um, I thought that was interesting. Anyway, that is interesting. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to research that even further. I I like the sound of that. Uh, yeah. of, of cardboard drones. Um, That's part of it. That'll be part of our new defence uh, spending. We we can spend three hundred billion on a submarine, but we can spend five grand on a couple of cheaper drones. Yeah, the, this, a... this whole submarine thing is interesting. They were saying they've got a shelf life of thirty three years. Yeah. Um, and I heard something even more disturbing. Uh, I, I guess this morning. I'm uh, oh, sorry, the other morning, in that. Um, he said, as soon as we buy these things, if China don't react, then there's something wrong. Right. I wouldn't be telling them <laughs> that we're about to buy five of these nuclear things. Shh, keep just it on the down low. Just go and buy them. Keep it on the down low. Anyway, there we go. Um, so while I was speaking of those that um, uh, uh, whose attention we, we might raise by buying these... Submarines, um, but they're not very fast. They always run out of fuel. Actually, no, they don't. No, they, they never don't. Run they out never of fuel. do. Um, this, I, I thought this was priceless because I, I, I just thought. Um, I mean, parenting, as you and I will know, can be a, a tricky game. Yes. Um, and it, I, I think if you get them through the other side, whereby they no longer permanently live with you. Uh, and they've got a, you know, they're doing a degree at uni or they've got a job or, you know, their path looks as though it's been established mm. and they're off on it. You've just about done your job. Pop the champagne. Yeah, I reckon you're almost there, right? You do realise, Scotty, that they boomerang. Yeah, no, I get that. And you will forever be an ATM. Yes, um, So I get that. I know I had a dose of that the other day. Um <laughs> <laughs> Lovely little phone call. Oh, hi, Dad. How are you? Are you good? Are you home? Yes, I'm uh, Oh, great. Um, what's up? Oh, you know, not much. Where are you? Uh, oh, you're just home to his house. Um, right. Um, have you got your car? No. no. <laughs> All right. Let's uh. cut to the chase, sweetie. I know why you're really calling. Uber, Scotty. Yeah, yeah no, anti-Uber. That's yeah. what I go by. <laughs> anyway, this one, uh, again, is where I, I, I've got a feeling. Tell me, I'd like your take on this. Right. Um, a father in the Chinese city of Shenzhen, yes. yeah, our favourite place on earth, uh, who caught his young son playing video games on uh, uh, on his phone at 1am. Right. Don't see a problem Don't so see far. A problem so no, far. No, exactly. Standard teenage yeah. behaviour. On a school night. On a school still, night. Still, Standard still teenage Still don't behavior. see a problem, right? He's uh, punished him. Right. So he's in, he's in trouble with that. Um, and he's punished him for 17 hours. Right. You know what he made him do for 17 hours? No. Play the game! <laughs> <laughs> the very so, game that he was playing. So under his father's supervision, the boy played through the night and into the following day when he nodded off, his father shook him awake until about 6.30pm when the exhausted boy promised to never play on his phone behind his parents' back. The father made the boy put the promise in writing. I reckon the kid's going, OK, what's my punishment? <laughs> 
Well, oh, it's yeah. going to go for 17 hours. Oh, Dad, what? 17 hours? Yes, of you playing that game. If I must. I'm going to get to level nine. <laughs> I'm thinking the kid's just dancing on the inside like there's no tomorrow. I've been stung at 1am and now I'm here till 6.30 tomorrow. <laughs> level nine. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Level 109. He will be too. He'll be bloody good at the game. Oh, I just thought, you know, imagine if he'd even said to him, you can't play your game. For 1.7 hours. Yeah, that would be punishment. That would be punishment. Yeah. And, and, and the kid would go mental. Yeah. Not thinking that he can't play his game for oh, at least I an was hour. Gonna thought you were going to take the phone away. <sighs> Apparently not. I thought there were lots of options. But yes. anyway, in, in light of his Maybe father's... Maybe the dad has uh, shares in the game or no, something. In light of his father's stewardship, that was the young lad's <laughs> punishment. Well done, It's a bit sir. like saying... Um, uh, Rats off. Mate, you might want to take it a bit easier. I reckon you, you, you've, hit the, you've hit the sauce a bit hard. So, uh, listen, I, I'm going to need to put a curfew on you. Can you you'll have to drink for the next 17 hours as punishment. <laughs> we're locking you in the pub. Yeah, we're, we're going to give you the keys to the <laughs> cellar yeah. and you've got to go and wipe down every bottle and you can drink as many oh, as you Scotty, want. Scotty, do I have to? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what that article should be called. Do yeah. I have to? Do I have to? <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, anyway, over to you. Well, I, this, remember in lockdown, Scotty, if you yes. can remember back that far. Oh, yeah, it wasn't long ago. When we had Karen from Brighton power walking around the tan. Remember her? I've oh, done all of Brighton. She did all of Brighton. Did all of Brighton. Yeah, apparently. Well, then, did you come across Bunnings Karen? Ooh. Bunnings I, I, Karen was the one who went viral when she refused to wear a mask in the hardware store. Yes. Remember I that? Think, yes, I do. She was called Bunnings Karen. Bunnings Karen. Right. right. Now it's time for Karen 2.0, which is a stage show at the upcoming Melbourne Comedy Festival, or a stand-up show, by a comedian called Amanda Jane Pritchard. Amanda Pritchard. Her show's called The Unbearable Righteousness of Being Karen, which is a take on the unbearable lightness of being, or whatever it is. Yes. Um, International Comedy Festival, as I said. And um, so she's navigating um, her life as Karen, right? (laughs) But in news to hand is the show sparked backlash from an organisation called Karen's United. Karen's United? Yeah. No, I kid you not. It's a uh, global anti-bullying group. Oh, right. That warns that jokes about Karen's are hurtful for women with that name. Oh, my God. You can't even have a Karen joke. (laughs) No, no, you can't. The group comprising thousands of women named Karen. It's a Karen (laughs) From across the world, it's a Karen fest. Karen fest. They say that the joke's gone too far and is now harmful. But she made the joke. Yes. (laughs) She grabbed it. So Pritchard, the comedian. (laughs) Yes. um, She, um, she, uh, (laughs) this is a great story actually because she used to work at, um, she works at Karen's Diner. Is that the one where they abuse the yes, hell out of Yes, correct. Yeah. So it's the burger joint in Ligon Street where the motto is great food, terrible service. Yeah. Have you yeah, heard about yeah, this place? Guaranteed. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they abuse the hell out so of They you. do. They they um she she went there one time, um, and they they abused her and called her grandma and 
and threw a menu at her and she loved it. So she went back and got a job there. Right. <laughs> and um, she's just, um, she said, it's quite remarkable to go to a restaurant to be treated like shit, but it's so funny. People love it. Well, <laughs> so anyway, she's, uh, she's fr- from her experiences there at Karen's Diner, she's now done the Karen show. Yep. And she said, read the diner. If your name's Karen and you come into the diner, you get a free drink. We love Karen's in Karen's Diner. Right. But okay. um, still, the, so the, so the Karen's P- United anti-bullying group aren't happy so about the show. So the PC squad are mm. out there trying to save Karen from Karen. Karen from Karen and from Karen going into Karen's Diner. <laughs> so it might be worth checking that show out, right? Does... Um, just on the Karen's Diner, because I, I find it quite fascinating. Because um, uh, I, I guarantee you, you don't have to go to Ligon Street to get bad service, right? <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> Been to plenty no, of places. Plenty of places. Dish it out for nothing. Where they, where they weren't even intended <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, it's just an accidental cause of, um, of said idiots that work there. Um, but can you go to Karen's Diner and reverse engineer the process whereby you get a menu, look at it and go... I'll have a burger with a lot and throw the menu at them. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> can you go the other way? I'm not sure whether that can you arc, is Can you arc up? Yeah, good question. Are you meant to just cop it? Let's or do go. Want you to, yeah. Do Let's you, go and check I, it out. You know, I, I, I want to know whether you can just arc right up, <laughs> you know, or get the drink, have a little, have a sip of it and go, this is Tish, and just <laughs> tip it on the table. You know, and whether yeah. they go, yes, and then yeah. applaud or... So customers behaving badly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I just wonder whether you're allowed to go into character yourself. Oh, well, I would have thought... It's Why poten- not? It's potentially not if character, it's though. good for the goose, it's good for the game. I think you're probably doing well if you get a plate of food that's put in front of you that's not thrown at you <laughs> by the sounds of it. Uh, I've heard a lot of those sort of themey restaurants. There's yes. One, there's one I remember years ago where the uh, the waiters break into song. Yes. Uh, through the course of the, the function. Yes. In fact, yep. in fact, I was at a convention one time where they hired a group of people. Yes, I was the same. Who purported to be waiters. Yes. But in the middle of the service, started singing. they started singing a bit yeah. of opera. Yes. Yes. I, yes I was trying to think of their name because I went to a function up in the Hunter Valley, uh, not far from where you've recently been, yes. up at the, um, uh, the beautiful cricket ground up there. Well, Barrel. Uh, at Barrel. Yeah, Barrel. just outside of Barrel it was, uh, middle of nowhere. And um, yes, we were. Uh, yeah, we had a, a big dinner. There were, I don't know, 70 or 80 of us up there, I guess. Might be a bit more, and um, lovely setting, and all these uh, gentlemen in their uh, tuxedos, yes, and white yes, shirts, yes. And, you know, walking around and carrying seventeen plates at once, and you know, some of them spinning, and the other ones balanced on their foot. <laughs> anyway, all of a sudden, yeah, I think two of them started arguing. Oh, that's right. Um, and then one of them broke into song, and then of course, you know, another one from the other side of the room Pops started up. to bob up, and then yeah. another one walked out of the, from the kitchen singing as they're carrying something. So. Yeah, they're called the singing sopranos or something, something like or the, the yeah. wait of, yeah, yeah. something to do with waiting and singing and, um, but that leads me because uh, that's a uh, quite a, a wonderful little segue uh, to something. Well, that, I aim to please with my segues to something that I had um, that's called. Uh, have you heard? Did you hear about little chap that um, he opened up a restaurant? Mm. In his flat. In his flat. In his flat. In this, how long ago? So, well, this is, I reckon reckon he's been doing it now for maybe a couple of years. Um, Because I don't know if you heard about this. So, uh, this little little fella, 
uh, decided that he would open up a, a restaurant in his lounge room. Right. Table for two. Table for two. <laughs> yes, yes. So you get to the door and say, do you have a booking? I hope so. <laughs> because when you look around, there's only one table. So it's a table for two. If you don't have a booking, would you just wait on the couch? Oh, you wait for about three months. Until the couple are finished. And <laughs> yeah, about three yeah. months it takes to get in. So um, anyway, uh, so Japan has uh, mastered intimate dining. Uh, small, dimly lit uh, uh, izakaya venues, they call them. Uh, they line the busy streets, offering space for only about 10 people a week, drinking quarter so close to the... Uh, mm. Setting could easily be mistaken for a dinner party. Right. Um, so Alex Chi, 27, a university student who moved to Melbourne from Malaysia about six years ago, he travelled to Tokyo and was immediately intrigued by these cosy communal uh, nature of these little spaces. Uh, so he went, that's coming with me down under. So I haven't been to Japan and it's on my list yeah, of places to visit. Meant to be. But I've heard that there are lots of little tiny hole in the wall sort of uh, yeah. eating places. Yeah, so this which is uh, this along the uh, along those lines. So um, and so uh, there was a name that's now given to these. They're called uh, Tishoku Tuesdays. Is that right? Tishoku Tuesdays began uh, Melbourne's own uh, Melbourne's very own Izakaya, but even smaller and homelier than the real deal. Largely because it was run out of his yes, this is his, his house, one. His flat. That, that's what he used. To, that's what he called his uh, Toshoku Tuesdays, run out of his living room. Uh, every Tuesday, he welcomed maximum of two people. <laughs> 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 you wouldn't want to complain to the chef, would you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wonder what his service is like. So, and it was in his Carlton apartment for homemade Japanese food. He changed the menu every few weeks, bespoke cocktails, and this is right up your alley, old son. Relaxing vinyl records. Oh, he's got spin of the yeah, vinyl. He's got, he's got the vinyl going, right? I had the vinyl yeah. going last night. Uh, uh, well, in fact, I, I reckon he might take it to the next level because I reckon the spinning vinyl next week will become the Lazy Susan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, anyway, so, but these are on the rise. Tiny little restaurants are on the rise right here in Victoria. Is that right? I don't know whether you knew that. No, I did not. Um, so there's a Korean restaurant, Che, um, initially um, with his one bedroom, but he now operates out of uh, a little place in the hills of Cockatoo, uh, and it seats only six people. Oh, he's, he's, he's expanded. He's expanded, yes. To half a D. Yeah, exactly. Now, there's a fine diner called Greasy Joe's. Now, it's not the Greasy no. Joe's that you and I remember that was infamous for a Sunday afternoon Sesh. where you'd go for lunch, eat, they clear the tables, push them together, and the tables become a dance floor. Correct. I, remember, <laughs> I recall it in oh, St Kilda. One of the great Sunday afternoon uh, institutions. And magnificent burgers. Yeah, they are good burgers. Yep, yep. Um, so Fine Diner Grizzly Joe's in Hurstbridge is run by two people and seats a maximum of eight uh, people. Underbar in Ballarat. Underbar. So Underbar in Ballarat is slightly larger, seating up to 14 people. These restaurants are usually booked out months in advance and seats are relatively difficult to secure. No, no doubt. Well, no tish. There's three of Some venues also require a deposit to secure a spot. Underbar requires a deposit of $210 per 
per head. Really? You've got to shekel out 420 before you, before even, you even walk in the joint wow. and decide whether you like the day. That'll encourage people to uh, not <laughs> counsel at the last minute. Anyway, the article sort of goes on and on. Um, a main at Tishoku Tuesdays, such as pork, katsu, or miso leek beef, costs anywhere between 25 and 30 bucks. Um, Shay, who's not a professional chef, but whose passion is food, said because he didn't use a wholesaler, he didn't profit much. Um, so he was just doing it to meet people. Well, then was he? He's obviously had the one, you know, the, the, the green one or the red one. One of those two supermarkets are just buying it full retail yeah, well, and then cooking it. Yeah, I'd be going to the markets, mate. If well, I were you, you can try the one with a little bit of purple in its <laughs> in its logo too, mate. They're a touch cheaper, so you can try them. But anyway, so these little micro restaurants are apparently going to be uh, something to behold and that? something to try. Um, I'm not sure I'd go to his place in North Melbourne. It looks pretty, pretty messy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, this stuff... He hasn't spent a lot of money on so, decor, I Yeah, well, I'm, not, yeah I'm not sure. So what's he, um, what's he just... Um, he invites you in, gives you a drink, puts on puts on the vinyl, yeah, yeah, you sit then, down and he's and, he, and, then and he he's serves you. He's got a menu that he changes every couple of weeks oh, and away good. you go. Very good. Yeah. Nice one. It's probably all cash. Yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I can't see... I can't see... You can't see an FPOS machine? A front desk <laughs> or an FPOS machine. <laughs> yes, I reckon he's on to something. I wonder if one of those, if, if it's one of those when you roll up and say, um, uh, look, just just go and wait in the lobby. We'll give you a call when your table's ready. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, yeah, this one, just go and wait in your car and we'll tell you <laughs> when right. the table's right. ready. Yeah. <laughs> or, or actually, maybe he's done a deal with old mate next door. Yeah. Go into Bill's. Go into Bill's. Bill have get, a drink with Bill. Have a drink with Bill. We'll have a chat to him. Interesting bloke, Bill. Bill's yeah. gin joint. Um, yeah. And I'll um, I'll give Bill a tinkle when, 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 when the, the table's, table's ready. ready. <laughs> <laughs> that's got a million lines in it in there, yeah, isn't it? Terrific. It's, um, Oh, that's good. Anyway, that's, we might uh, go. Um, we might go to the. Um, so we've either we can either go and get abused, yeah. or look as though we're um, a table for two. Table for two, <laughs> or six, good. and we can maybe take our others and another couple and go up to cockatoo. Get a cockatoo and cock-a-doodle. see what, see what his uh, fare is like. Um, good. Now, this caught my eye. Yes. Now, now one d- of them. D- or d- yeah, them. just the one, the left. <laughs> um, the. On this show, we've discussed um, drinking a lot, wine and alcohol, and yeah. you've been on the non-alcohol um, bandwagon. Still, still going. Parch, march. And, of course, of course uh, VB have just launched v, VX, which is, they've gone the other way. Oh, yes. They've launched is this the, super the, strength? the Super Strength VB. So what's this, about a 14% no, or something? No, it's 6 Oh, okay. It's still, yeah, it's got so, some punch, though. It's got some punch. Yeah. So they've gone the other way. Here's something out of Germany. Um... They're on the brink of creating a drink that will revolutionise the global beverage industry. Beer yeah. in powdered form. Just add really? water. Just yes. add water. Nuzella Klosterbrau in eastern Germany, which has been brewing for almost 500 years, said it would bring the powder to market this year. The eco-friendly yeah. innovation has the potential to slash the weight of shipments by 90%, of course. Yeah, of course. Because there's no need to transport it in liquid form or no. in heavy bottles. No. So um, beer as powder, just add water. What about shelf life as a powder? I have no idea. Okay. That's the, the only information that, that's come to hand. Okay. Would you be willing to try powdered beer? You'd have to be desperate. 
I would have thought. Well, maybe if it was already made and I didn't see it being made. And they do said, they try this beer? What do they do? Do they make the beer and then they zap Solidify? it to take the water out of it? Do they? What if it's the alcohol? Yeah, that's right. Because if you heat it... What about if it's like, you know, Milo, we used to eat it straight out of the tin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what about if you just started whooping, whooping in the thing? Well, I... wonder I, if that'll get you drunk. I, <laughs> I don't know. But I'm telling you, if you can open your mouth having shoved a powder, powder of beer in there, you're doing well. Because I reckon it'll set like concrete. <laughs> i just intrigued by it, that's oh. all. Right? Well... You like those packets of sherbet you used to get as a kid. Oh, yeah. Just get sherbet that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? The, the, the fizz. You, know, you just you don't need a glass, just, just having a drink. Yeah. Tees, <laughs> teaspoon of powder. <laughs> yeah, there'd be no more corkage. No. They'd have to charge you packaging. No. There'd be certain celebrities that probably do other things with it as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mix it up with some water and clean the mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> or mirror might be used for something else. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. I yeah. think we're on the same thing. I think we're on the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of which, um, have you heard of this narco uh, tourism? Narco tourism. Narco tourism. No. I'll tell you about it. It's in France. It's on the the top near the um, Normandy coast there. Yes. Sort of English Channel region. Yes. So what's ha- what's been happening, of course, is um, French authorities have warned about narco tourism on the Northern Channel beaches after news that more than two tons of cocaine has washed ashore. Oof. Right. Fallen off a ship, washed ashore, and now there's dozens of beachcombers. Not the guys with the little thing wandering up and down the beach to try and find a ring. They've got dogs. They've got dogs, (laughs) they've got quad bikes. They're they're on the hunt for some cheap coke. Um, And the locals have described an influx of unfamiliar people in luxury cars and 4x4s who've been scouring the sand all week to try and find all this. But the local prosecutor uh, has issued a public warning about the risks of taking part in what he described as narco-tourism. He said the act of taking possession of one of these bundles and transporting it is a crime, of course. It's called possession of drugs. Yes. Um, Punishment up to 10 years in prison. Furthermore, uh, the cocaine bus are here is a serious serious health risk because it's very pure, which is encouraging more people to go. Wow. Um, So, yeah. So... um, the total street value of the cocaine that's washed up is estimated to be 150 million euros. Gee whiz, that's a big haul. Investigators are uncertain whether traffic is threw it overboard or it came loose in heavy weather. So if you're in northern France, um, on the weekend, that's where you're headed. And, and take a straw the size of a pole vault. <laughs> oh, <that's okay. laughs> because... <laughs> See it, mate. Um, oh, well, that's interesting. I, in fact, as, as you were going through that, I was thinking that that appears to be the MO of uh, of these smugglers, drug dealers, whatever you want to call them, um, is that when they think they're in the gun, yeah, in the chuck coat, it over. Yeah, just chuck it overboard. Chuck it Nothing over. to see here. Nothing to see Nothing here. To... No cash <laughs> here, one, Neville. As one of them goes over <laughs> in his diving suit to try and get it back around the other way. But um, yes, well, um, that. Uh, that's a big haul that just is washed up. Washed up. There'd be some strange fish going on. Oh, <laughs> mate. I'll tell you what, that'd mess with the white pointers down there. <laughs> They'd be right off their nut by now. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. Did you hear about the sharks? The, 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 the orcas killing the sharks? 
Yes. Now, and this, it, whether yeah, it's just getting attention or whether it's been happening for a long, I think it's been happening for a long time, but yes, the greatest predator to a, a shark is, is an orca. Is an orca And they hunt in packs. I've heard well, yeah. this, this was in Cape Town in in South Africa. Yep. They've had 20 sharks yep. wash up. They've been disemboweled. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's two orcas that have been killing them all. Yeah. Yeah, Bill and Ben. They're really nasty characters. The, the orcas look magnificent. Orca as a one and orca two. Yep. And um, yeah, they're torn open at the pelvic girdle. They've got orca teeth marks on their pec fins, and yep. their liver is missing. Yep. Yeah, they. they a little dis- bit they like Hannibal disem- Lecter. Yeah, they literally disembowel. I wonder if they have a little Chianti yeah. you know, when they're having <laughs> oh, their liver. Tell you what. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I've uh, I've seen these things on you know one of these National Geographic shows but you know and there was a I, I saw one at one stage where there was a seal on a, a, a piece of floating ice yeah well these things they hunt together they just came and completely they they swam underneath the the ice island and started to break it up and just come smash 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 so the seal ended up in the water wow yep. There you go. I just noticed are, that through no, the week. I've never heard of that before. They're as nasty as all get out, and uh, they're, they're they're not terribly uh, nice to be around whatsoever. Yeah, they're do you know very what? Very predatory. They've nicknamed them the pair. Yeah, port and starboard. Oh. <laughs> I'd call them sort hungry, of, hungry and hungrier. <laughs> as you were describing, a left-right combination. Oh, exactly. Um, no, mate, they're um, they're, yeah. they're actually they're fascinating to watch as they in terms of how they hunt. But you know they almost it's almost like synchronized killing. <laughs> they well, swim, I thought they sit next to each other and you know yeah. out of the water and then just. I always thought the um the, the shark was the king. No, nah. but clearly they're nah. they're the, on the, top of the, the food chain. If the if ye old white porter cops uh, cops a look at one of them, he's out of there if he can be. Go on, skip. Because these things are big. I mean, they, these things can dwarf uh, white pointers. Wow. Um, no, scary, scary animal. Fish yep. killing fish. Yeah, no, fish killing fish. No, I got you. Now, if you had uh, if you had a couple of spare shekels, uh, let's just say if you had 400 grand that you were just whimsically going yes. to toss yes. around. So this is a hypothetical? Like, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, somebody has just shelled out um, uh, some money. Um, there's a little, there's a little place in St Kilda, and uh, there was a, a wonderful home uh, built on the site. Uh, a former Australia's former largest roller skating rink. So this is uh, must be St Moritz down in St Kilda. Well, that was a uh, ice skating. Uh, ice skating rink. Correct. Not Sorry. roller skating. Uh, so oh, this is uh, this roller is roller skating. skating. But I reckon they've got it wrong. Remember roller ball? Yeah, the roller movie? ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, and they used to beat beat the tissue yeah, out of each other. Go around, around a few elbows. Just a little forearm to the head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that was great. Good. That's great. I reckon the uh, I think Alicia Capone, Al's daughter. Yeah, <laughs> Alicia, <laughs> Alicia Capone. I think she's got her rollers around the wrong way. Right, because. I don't recall the largest roller skating rink in St Kilda being anything other than an ice skating rink. Well, I don't know if there was one. There was an ice skating rink. There was definitely one. Absolutely there was. Anyway, um, because this is in St Kilda, right? So 
if it well, was... maybe there was a roller skating rink in St Kilda. I'm not aware of one. I don't remember one. But anyway, um, uh, so let's just go through. Victoria recorded a preliminary uh, 71.8% clearance. Uh, this is... Um, oh, this is auctions. Not long ago. Oh, yes. Auctions, right? Um, anyway, uh, the 55 square... It's a garage that was been sold. A garage. For how much? Fifty-five square meters. What was in the garage? So that's quite a decent-sized garage. It's full of cars or something. So fifty-five square meters is bigger than your average hotel room as a standard room. Okay, so it's a big garage, right? So if you think about it, seven eighths of fifty-six. What are they going to build on the house? I don't know. The fifty-five square garage, fifty-five square meter garage, in an Art Deco block of units, at uh, in Gray Street. Oh yeah. So it fetched $391,000. For a garage. So that's $7,000 a square metre. Wow. That's Um, that's, uh, up there. That's a lot of coin, isn't it? The property listed with a $90,000 to $99,000 asking range for the garage. Wow. And it got $391,000. Someone must love their parking in Grey Street. Well, because as I say... uh, 55 square metres. If you go on and look at a jock standard um, hotel room, they're about 38, 39 square metres. Right. 40 square metres. So this is 55 square metres. Where'd you get four cars in there? Well, as I say, well, it's seven metres by eight metres. So it's a decent sized space. Oh, that's right. So you can actually turn it into a... It's like a little warehouse. Yeah, it could be be a man cave. Like it's bigger than just a garage space, right? So if you think a garage space is about... Three by seven, about 21 square metres. Right, Two and a half times the size. So it's two and a half car park sizes, sort of. Yeah. So it's a reasonable size. So I understand why there's the attention, but $7,000 a square metre for, a, a, lot for a garage. square metre car park. Uh, anyway. Um, one of them probably uh, use it as a car park and make their money back. And here's to my point. I've just read further into the article. The property listed for $99,000 asking range. Uh, it attracted buyers, uh, interested buyers, hoping to transform it into a one-bedroom apartment. Ah, there you there go. There you go. Nice one. So there we go. So, nice uh, one. That's actually probably very cheap for a one-bedroom apartment. In secure. I would have thought so. Yes. I would have thought so. So there is method in the madness of said buyer. Now, um, this is the gift that keeps giving. Yes. And I know you've got one and later. It's not a so, sparkle. But it's Johnny Sylvester oh, again. Johnny He's our favourite bloke. But a there was a man. lovely article in the paper a little while back about Libby Gore. Do you remember Libby Gore? Yes, I do remember Libby Gore. Or Elle McFeast. Yeah, Elle McFeast. She went on by. The ABC. He's a stage name. Yes, she was. And um, this was when her star was ascendant and they gave her her own television show. Yes. And She's of course. Her first guest on it was Chopper Reed. Of course it would be. And uh, and the show didn't last too much longer after that. Oh, it didn't? No. Because um, she was a budding star, and this is uh, in 1998. She got her own national nighttime variety show. Yep. And then, of course, um, she books uh, Reed, uh, Chopper Reed. And, of course, what happens with Chopper Reed is uh, he... uh, as, as Johnny Sylvester said, they left him alone in the green room. Oops. With a fridge. Oh. Dear. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, as Johnny says, um, 
I liked Reed and always found him engaging company, but a live interview would be as risky as a high wire act over a pool of sharks, <laughs> says Johnny. Uh, if nothing went wrong, it would be entertaining. If something went wrong, it would be deadly. Oh, my goodness. And he said what they didn't do to protect was protect Reed from the booze in the VIP green room, which meant he committed grievous bodily harm on the beer fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, only Sly could describe it as being that. So he was was quite drunk. (laughs) He came on and he was, you know, leering at her chest chest and joking about killing people and uh, it was all a bit of a cluster. So um, there, so she, uh, she didn't last long after that. So it was a lovely article about all of that. And Uh, then... um, I guarantee... You could still go and find that. I reckon and, we could. And, I tried to find it actually, you? and I got distracted. Did you? But I, I yeah, reckon I'm find it. I reckon it would be worth a look. Yeah, it'd be definitely because worth it a look. would be car crash television. He would be fruity. Yes, uh, he would. He might have even potentially become a little bit handy. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> After the show, Reed made an unusual offer, telling Gore, "I don't know anyone in Sydney, but if you ever need any." If you ever need anyone knocked off in Melbourne, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. Anyway. That'll do it. They got a lot of complaints. Uh, even the communications minister got involved and uh, she was commissioned to host 32 shows, but the show was shelved after 16. So Really? Yeah, so it was the beginning of the end for poor old Olivia. There are some people that should just stick to their knitting. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit like... Uh, uh, and he's probably changed a lot now but it's a bit like Mick Malloy if you remember back in the day he oh, he got given his own show and, yeah, and it, it was, opened up with him lying on a chaise lounge in his undies I think Kerry Packer rang up he and rang up take it off yeah about 15 minutes in yeah. get that tish off <laughs> um, whereas now he's fantastic on well he's, like he's in his right front, right spot because he's got people around him yeah so he's in a well he's in a bar He's, he's in his he's own in the front bar. His own, his own. And now he owns a bar. Yes, so um, yes, he he's in the right habitat. In the right habitat for, <laughs> for, for what he does. So anyway, it was just reminded me of that because I do recall seeing that show. But I I I just love the comment from Johnny about the grievous bodily yeah, harm grievous on bodily the beer harm. fridge. Yeah, no, he's got a he's Which got I a thought was very very good. Wonderful descriptive uh, turn of flair. Um. Oh, I don't even know if I've got the strength, the energy, the interest, or anything in my soul to even run with this, but it's so laughable I just have to. Okay. This is the gift. Uh, the is not with a capital T because that would be Andy. Yeah, that's right. This is this the, is his... this, this is the other the other gift oh. that keeps on giving. The, 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 the sparkle and marble. Sparkle and marble Mar- and Harry. Sparkle and sparkle. Yeah. The Duke of Sussex wants a private apology from King Charles and the Prince of Wales before he will consider attending the coronation. <laughs> he wants an apology. Does he? What yes. for? I don't know. The Duke has already indicated he believes the family owes him an apology for the way they treated him and Megan, Megan, Markle, while they were working members of the royal family. He said in an interview to uh, publicise his memoir, Spare, that all the balls are in their court. Are they? Yes. 
It's been clear since December that the royal family does not feel it has anything to apologise for. A source close to the royal family said the Duke and Duchess would receive an invitation, but I don't think it will be wrapped in an apologetic bow. <laughs> Cards telling guests to save the date, May the 6th, will reportedly be sent out in two weeks to 2,000 guests. Right. So not only... Uh, so he wants uh, a private apology, but it's in the paper. Do you reckon... Can I, <laughs> I just want to pose this. If his other now half hadn't come into his life, do you reckon he'd be having a punch up with his grandfather and his father and his brother? Oh, he, he didn't make it to his grandmother's bedside I reckon before. she's the catalyst. <sighs> and that's, that's, I mean, you're reading the book, aren't you? Or have you shelved it? Oh, mate. <laughs> Something's behind you, <laughs> along with all those all the other unread there. books. Uh, no, I've been. You started out with bright hopes about that, and it's suddenly uh, been well, shelved. Well, I, I just I, I put it down to <laughs> lost I, interest. Yeah, and I did lose interest. I never, <laughs> yes, I just actually genuinely lost interest. Now, and I can't be described as somebody who loses his interest, right? Because yeah. I've just chewed my way through a four hundred page book in the last two nights. So I'm committed. When I'm, in, when I'm into a book, when you're into a book I, you're in. I'm committed and, I, and I'm through it, right? Even if it's quarter to one in the morning, I'm, I'm through it. No, I gave up. <laughs> gave up six on that pages, one. Six pages in. Uh, I'll, to... I will finish it one day and, I, one day. and I'll, I'll review it. Let me know in a couple yeah, of years yeah, when I'll you just, get through I'll, it. I'll let you know. You can ask me about lots of other books in front of me or behind me and behind you, I can tell you. I've, written, I've read a great book recently called the five people you meet in heaven. Ah, it's a very good yeah. book. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, so this uh, extrapolates further, though, yes. because no member of the royal family attended the christening of their last child. Well, they probably weren't invited. So, <laughs> um, it's hard, so, to, hard to know when that's so on if Lily you don't Betts, get invited. Lily Bet's christening was not attended to any... It's not a great name, that one, either. Lily Bet. No. What's what it's Granny not, was called? Yeah, it's not working yeah, for me. It's though. not, no. They're, no. they're trying to be funky. They're trying to be they? funky. Trying group. to turn Lily Bet, you know, from the 1700s. <laughs> you could have called it Absidy. That's our favourite, oh, That's it? our favourite. Absidy. Yeah, A-B-C-D-E. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one. Well, either that or... Or that series of logarithms that um, oh, the Elon, Elon, made, Elon Musk, uh, Elon Musk called, called his, his children. Um, but I swear, uh, the only people that did attend uh, the christening of Lilibet were relatives of his mother. Okay. So apparently they're still quite close to all of Di's um, oh, Di's side. Di's right. sisters and yeah. other people. No, so right. apparently a bunch of them turned up. Right. But there are only 20 people that went to the christening. Right. Okay. Which wouldn't be wouldn't and, rate highly and, on the score and, of <laughs> and half of them left at half time as they weren't interested. <laughs> I'm not gonna apologise, Harry. <laughs> you haven't watched that South Park show, have you? Uh bits of it. Never seen a full show. No, but you know, the one on Harry and oh, Meghan. No, I no, told you about it the other yes, week. Yes, but I did see it did bob up and I did keep what I did watch a little bit when it bobbed up somewhere and then I got distracted yes. and couldn't go through with it. But that was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, no, it was good. I, I, good. I did see some of the visuals. Yeah, they're very good. Yeah, anyway. Now, are we pressing uh, on or have we had enough? Uh, <laughs> we've got a couple right, more because I've, I've um <laughs> do, 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 do you go to the library? You, yes. Yes. I'm, uh, I've become quite prolific. In fact, I probably need to go today, otherwise I'm going to have an overdue book. Well, <laughs> to, to my point. Oh, no. Oh, segue. 
because uh, I'm I'm big on that. Get your books back so others get a chance well, to. Well, it's a bit. Uh, in do. fact, I'm not late because these days public holiday you, days. You, so. Yeah, but it's got a slot. It's got so you can. But because these days your your library card is on your phone. Oh, is it? Mine's yeah. Not. Oh, mine is. Okay. And then they send you a text to go your books back due in three days. You oh, that's pretty good. Reminders and yeah. All oh, that that's sort good. Of. That's and good you can you can go and reserve a reserve a book online as he smashes the computer screen. Sorry about the noise, uh, fags. Um, yeah, you can go and reserve a book. So yeah, I've, I've done and, that. You know, and just go and pick it up. Well, no one told this bloke in Massachusetts. What happened? Because a Massachusetts library said a book was recently returned with a note apologising for the book being 56 years overdue. Oh, really? 56 years. So, uh, did he He's either a very slow reader... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He's probably t- or, he's probably read Spare, and it's taken him fifty six yeah, years. Yeah, I'd say fifty six years for sure. So, um, the what, book, what does he owe? Yeah, well, <laughs> the book the book was um, returned to Montague Centre Library with a note saying it was due in nineteen sixty seven. Really? Right. The note said the former patron felt bad all these years and hopes librarians will accept the book with deepest apologies. Uh, the library has abolished late fees and will not charge the patron. Uh, can I ask the question? What is a late fee on a book? Well, I was going to say, oh, it's just a couple of bucks. Just a couple but of bucks. But my question is, do they actually have the jurisdiction to issue you with a fine that's collectible? I don't know. I've Under, never had an have, overdue book. Do you have a contract with the library? I don't think so. Unless you... Do you sign by a contract signing with the library? Up, you tick do, you, a, do you sign you up, might, though? You might tick a T's and C's box. Do you? I don't know. So you reckon the sheriff's going to come round to the... When you when you take all your overdue books back, just ask the librarian. Oh, oh shit. Do you think I should try and make them overdue and see what happens? Yeah. <laughs> take some $10. Just for just content, like, Scotty. <laughs> I'll tell you what I might do. Yeah. I might ask them what the ramifications yeah, are... Yeah, do that. ...of being overdue. Do that. Because... 56 years. I'll pose, I'll pose this. They haven't got... The they haven't got the records. High, he- high no. heaven to collect late fees. Wouldn't have thought. So. I think it's just a guilt tax. Yeah, guilt tax. That <laughs> <laughs> be right too. So they've gone. It's, a, it's there as a threat, Charlie, but it's never Charlie, charged. Charlie, you're overdue. Come on, you're overdue. You owe us four thousand eight hundred and fifty. <laughs> you can pay it in instalments if you want to. <laughs> uh, well, no. I just, I, I, I'm going to research that. Do yeah, libraries do that. have the jurisdiction to collect? Late fees. Yeah. Because you get you might get a nasty a bit of a grumpy letter. You might get a nasty note. How you know, you've kept this from other users of our wonderful library and our community here by keeping, you know, how to build a plastic boat. <laughs> um, but anyway. So um Hey, didn't you t- t- wouldn't you tell me about that magician? Oh yes. Tell Let me about me that one. Because I heard is, heard about this oh, this, this morning. Is, uh, this is a good one. A uh, Melbourne magician, he's been left bruised and shaken. Yeah, I yes. sort of heard this. Um, and it's because of his act, uh-huh. uh, which seemed to involve some other man's wife. <laughs> what, was he sawing her in half? Or? Well, in fact, if I looked at the caption, if I looked at the photo that came above, it looked as though he was trying to pass a, uh, a playing card from his mouth to hers. Ah. So maybe he got a bit close. Maybe he got too close. Or um, there was something nice on the card and she was licking it. <laughs> I, don't I, don't know. Know. I don't know what happened. Shocking video uh, captured the moment Ben Murphy 
was tackled to the ground by an unruly audience member <laughs> at a magic show. At a magic show. <laughs> it's understood Mr Murphy was performing a card trick with a woman from the crowd when her husband rushed to the stage and pushed the magician, knocking him backwards. <laughs> <laughs> this has got Chris Rock written all over it. It has a bit. Um, so did man, he, make, he make the bloke disappear? The or man, what? I'll tell you what, he, <laughs> here comes your wish. The man jumped on top of Mr Murphy before he was ushered away by his wife. The attack happened in front of hundreds of spectators watching Mr Murphy's interactive comedy magic experience on a Royal Caribbean. Well, I think that's the problem. I think he was a little bit too interactive. <laughs> well, it with, was, with, a, uh, it with was the... interactive comedy on a Caribbean cruise. Oh, well, so, there uh, you go. <clears throat> it, he might have been a Rastafarian. I don't know. <laughs> Mr Murphy sustained lower back injuries, bruised legs and blurry vision. Oh, I wouldn't have thought <clears throat> being a magician was dangerous work. Uh <laughs> He was given injections for pain and told to see a neurologist oh, wow. as his head hit the stage in the attack. He posted uh, footage of, uh, on social media where it's been viewed more than five million times oh, since wow, last weekend. that's fantastic. <laughs> so he'll probably just incorporate that as part of his act. Hence, uh, henceforth. Mr Murphy said the woman participated gave her consent. Yeah. Yes. Right. She was but, lovely but and the was hus- laughing the husband and having consent. a really good time. <laughs> oh, no. So Captain Boring in the stage <laughs> has decided enough's enough. enough's enough. I don't even get that close to her lips. <laughs> yeah. Wacko. Wacko. <laughs> Another woman who was watching the show said the incident was absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. <laughs> Mr Murphy claimed he showed ship management footage of the attack, but their alleged response was, it's a teachable moment. <laughs> <laughs> so you get a punch in the mouth, but that's a teachable moment. That's a teachable moment, <laughs> Scotty. Go home and do that yeah, to your kids. Go, go home and have a think about yeah. that. Um, and go, we have let, more let, ser- let that learn oh, you. And we have more serious assaults. <laughs> oh, really? So this what a wild shit. So this isn't as bad, and the case is closed, oh. according to the ship line. <laughs> Oh, Mr. well, Murphy there you told, go. He told the Herald Sun he was seeking legal advice. Carib- Royal Caribbean said it was unable to comment. Unable to comment. <laughs> oh, that's very good, mate. There that's very are. good. There we go. The, the case so of... Don't go into ma- magicianing. No, it's, no, it's a dangerous, it's dangerous sport. <laughs> I loved it. A teachable moment. Uh, all right, Mark, we're right. going to scoot out of here. Okay, we'll um, get some good stuff for next time. We'll go and learn some card tricks. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and uh, see what happens at the library when I don't push the book in the chute. Nice one. Report right. back. You've been listening to Two Smoking Guns. See ya. See ya, mate. See ya. Mate.